Hey, how about them tops, son? All day, SEC boys. You're listening to the Red Out Podcast. Welcome in to another Red Out Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Devin. Let's see if we can uh, get Jared on the line here. We'll talk some amazing stuff. Uh, let's see if I can get Jared on. But while we're waiting, uh, don't forget, guys, to like, share, and subscribe uh, for all your latest podcast news and all that good stuff. Um, so, Western has been playing basketball. We got there. You are. Hey, Jared. How's it going? Hey, hey. how are you? Doing just fine. That's good. Yes, sorry, I'm knocking stuff over, trying to get everything set up. Uh, so, did you watch the uh, championship? I did. I did. Oh. I didn't stay up for the full thing, but I still recorded it. And I mean, I watched part of the second half. But I mean, LSU. I mean, they're so good. I mean, I kind of had that vibe that they would probably win anyways, just for the fact that it was in New Orleans. Just all the different things that have been going on with them. Of course, with Joe Burrow too. Yeah, he's so good. I hope the Bengals enjoy him. So, Sam, if you're listening, <laughs> I hope you enjoy Joe Burrow. I was going to say, it's either you all or, yeah, the Bengals or whoever gets them. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Well, hopefully it's not the Browns. I mean, isn't that just where all quarterbacks go to die anyway? Yeah. Sorry, Baker Mayfield. But, yeah. Cincinnati's not much better, but at least they can go 8-8 eight and eight and then make the playoffs and lose in the first round. So, add that. <laughs> Taking some shots at Sam. Nice, nice. It's okay. Um, so, of course, I've got LSU as the winner this week. Um, Chiefs, big winner. Uh, Titans going into the winners. Uh, Green Bay plays uh, San Francisco on – is that Sunday? Uh, I want to say so, yeah. And they're going to spank the 40 winers. So, Jake, if you're listening, suck it, dude. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So we got all the big championship winners. Some surprising news that some of you may have not heard today that Bobby Petrino got hired by Missouri State. Oh, Bobby P. Yeah. Yeah. So See, that's still too close there. to Arkansas if I'm him. I would not go there. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I don't even know if Arkansas fans know where that is. but Probably not. You know, it's, it's whatever. Um, so how crazy of a hire do you think that was? I mean, for a school like Missouri State, I mean, they're FCS, aren't they? They're not Division One for sure. So I, mean, I don't know. I'm not sure if they are. I want to say they're FCS. I mean, that's like a usually like Missouri Valley school. Yes. Uh, I know in basketball, I don't know about their football. So, I mean, I guess that makes sense. I mean, same thing with uh, Hugh Freeze going to Liberty. That was another hire. And I think they also said that Art Browse was one of the other candidates for the job. So that just shows that Missouri State just doesn't care. <laughs> Yes, they are. You were correct. They are FCS. Um, they are members of the Missouri Valley Football Conference. All right, yeah. Didn't Western used to be in that back in the day? Uh, they were in the Ohio Valley Conference, uh, and they yeah. were in the they were in the Gateway Conference too. Okay, yeah, that's um, what I was thinking. That was the Gateway, but yes, um, but yeah. So, who was the other rumor they were talking about? I, I Art, just Art Browse, the guy from Baylor. Ooh, nice. Um, so, I mean, someone with a controversy, regardless of who it was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it's a good pickup for Missouri State. Um, 
I mean, but it's isn't it like a big fall for Bobby? Probably, I mean, yeah. I mean, he's been a Division One coach for as long as I can remember. So having to go to FCS is probably a little bit of a downgrade. But I mean, he's getting older. I mean, most schools aren't really going to roll the dice on him. I'm surprised Western still did. I remember when I was on campus and I got the news that he was hired as the coach on my phone. <laughs> and I was like, wait, are you kidding me? Yeah. I was like, but immediately, I kid you not, the first words that came out of my mouth when I saw that on my phone was that he's not going to be here more than a year. And sure enough, yeah. which I think it was good. I think Ross was one that tweeted on the towel rack talking about how it was good he only stayed a year because – Helped us go uh, eight and four, get a winning record, kind of revamped the culture and everything. Was able to bring in Brom, who brought in Helton. So there was a lot of good things that came out of his single year. I think that was about as good as it could have gone. And plus, he paid us money out of his buyouts. So that was the most important thing. And I think that was kind of the mindset going into that hire. I think I don't think there was a single person that thought Bobby Petrino was going to be there more than a year. Yeah. Um, and I mean, honestly, I don't think he himself thought he was going to be here more than a year. Uh, so I mean that was that was uh, props to Todd for hiring him and doing, and you know still getting that getting that paycheck for whenever he left. Um, let's see. Oh, I do have some odd news real quick. Um, apparently, a YouTube prankster got uh, in some, into some trouble in Australia for driving a scuba car. So he filled the car up with water. And he had like a scuba tank hooked to it, so he drives down the road to go to a liquor store. And uh, apparently, he got some deep heat there. A Kansas man has asked a judge to let him engage in a sword fight with his ex-wife for her and her lawyer. Uh, don't start talking. <laughs> yeah, I know. I just click these and it starts oh, talking. Um, so he wants to. Uh, I think it's for. Okay, yeah. So the forty-year-old uh, from Kansas said his ex-wife uh, and her attorney have destroyed him legally. Uh, he asked the Iowa District Court to give him twelve weeks to find a katana <laughs> and a wakachi swords for his requested battle. <laughs> oh my god! Man, oh, they need to bring back dueling, though. That was actually a thing. And I mean, I'm close. To, I mean, Kentucky Downs. It was like the dueling grounds. That's what it was called back in the day. Because, I mean, you could actually do that legally. To this day, this is a quote, trial by combat has never been explicitly banned or restricted as a right in these in these United States. It's true. <laughs> I mean, it says if you actually read all of the laws, it's probably still there. It's just kind of brushed under the rug. But yet when someone wants to go for it and actually do it the right way, then suddenly it's attempted murder. <laughs> I know. Like, what are they thinking? Uh, apparently the court has asked for him to be, to go under psychological evaluation to make sure that, uh, he's not crazy. Um, That's probably for the best. That, that is, um, another lady claims that she predicted Harry and Meghan splitting from the Royal family by reading asparagus spears. Uh, that's interesting. I guess it's better than carrot <laughs> cards, but um, instead of yeah. carrot cards, you get it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was um, terrible. Yeah, I have to say at least one dad joke, even though I'm not a dad. This hey, you, someday you will be. It's I okay. gotta fit in. I gotta fit in with all the other ones. Exactly. You gotta you gotta get your practice in when you can. Sure. Um California burglar suspect caught on camera falling through the ceiling of a tobacco shop. So 
uh, it's just crazy people everywhere. Yeah, I think I've seen a video of someone that fell through a ceiling at like some gas station or whatever, and you, you could hear the audio, and you just see, hear this collapse, <laughs> and you see somebody on the floor, and then he says, hey, what's up, to the other person, she's like, hey, Devin, just be like, so casually handling yeah, that. Like, if I fell through the ceiling, I don't know what I'd really say. Uh, yeah, I think I'd just be like, wow, that was a rough fall from Evan. Yeah. I hope you all don't mind me dropping in real quick. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. that's Those are so bad. But uh, um, do you have any uh, winners and losers, or did I cover all yours? Oh, no. I actually have a winner that is my Woo-hoo. alternative rooting interest, but i got to give a shout-out to the Butler Bulldogs because they are killing it right now. They are a team that has completely gone under the radar, but they're sitting at number five in the country right now. Wow. 13-1, I think, is what their record is now, or like 15-1, and one, I can't remember. They only have one loss on the season. They're playing Seton Hall right now. That's another ranked team in the Big East. So that's going to be a really interesting game to see how that turns out. Whoever wins that is going to be on top of the Big East right now, even over Villanova. So... I mean, Big East basketball is extremely underrated, and it is yeah. a lot of fun to watch, especially back in the day, like when Syracuse and Pitt and all of those kind of schools were there. And there was that game that they had that went into like six overtimes, which was just pure insanity. Uh, yeah. That was a good one. But Butler, I mean, I like them a whole lot. Hinkle Field House is a must-go-to place if you're a big college basketball fan. I still want to catch a game there at some point, but go Bulldogs. Good job. Yeah, Number five yeah. in the country. I hope they can get to number one, even though it's cursed. Now, is, uh, uh, is Hawaii ranked higher than them in the Big East? or? Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're actually like undefeated forever if they join oh, yeah. the Big East. So that's why they, they need to do it. They should totally, yeah. They should totally join the Big East. And then East put probably. FAU into the WAC just to, yeah. to, to, to balance it out. Yeah. Yeah, completely agree. Yeah, go for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, jump into other sports real quick. Um, I don't know if you saw this today or not, but to, uh, to Corey and Darden, uh, yeah. is headed to the Hula all-star bowl game. Uh, so basically, uh, what that is, is the, uh, the seniors get invited to kind of like an all-star game and I'm trying to pull it up. I'm talking here. Uh, so to Corey and Darden got an invitation. He's one of several former Hilltoppers that have gone, um, it's the ninth straight year in which a senior Hilltopper will play in the postseason All-Star game, which dated that which that started with Bobby Rainey uh, back oh, uh, for the 2012 East-West Shrine game. So yeah, I remember that. It's all, it sounds like the thing from the Key and Peel video. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. If you haven't seen that, go check that out. That's hilarious. Oh, that's so funny. Oh my gosh, uh, those guys are too good. Um, so yeah, I mean. I always liked watching to to Corey and Darden. I'm hoping that uh, he will be able to uh, go pro, you know, get some playing time in the pros, not just on a practice team, you know, actually, actually make the team and actually be able to play. Um, So we'll see. Um, I mean, shout out to him though. I mean, since he was a walk on and ended up becoming one of the best defensive players that we had in our secondary when he left. I mean, even though he's from Russellville, I mean, I got to give him props. So good job. (laughs) Yeah. Let me tell you, I'll tell you a quick little story. When I was a junior or senior and we played, um, we played Logan County, mm-hmm. which is the, the county where Russellville is. Oh, yeah. Um, for our listeners who don't know, um, when we played them, it was crazy. I mean, like, 
during okay so first off like during uh during plays like there's not supposed to be any music however like during our offensive series they would blast the music you know and then their offense would be out there and it was quiet as a mouse and i'm like man y'all cheating is all get out what is going on I mean, I know some good some of my friends that have gone to a football game at Logan County and may or may not have gotten a fight with somebody over there just because of, with Franklin yeah. especially. I mean, we're right yeah. next to each other, so I mean that kind of happens. Oh it's yeah, there's big blood. rivalries. Yeah, South Central Kentucky football has got huge rivalries. It does. Oh my god! Especially uh, Edmondson County and uh, Litchfields County, whatever it's called. I mean, Grayson. Duh. Sorry, oh, you don't mess with Edmondson yeah. County. Mm-hmm. Grayson, yes, yes. Yeah, Grayson County. Yeah, that's those. Yeah, you don't mess with the, especially Edmondson County. You don't mess with those guys. Those are uh, crazy. Uh, fun fact for you: in the picture, if you go to WKU Sports and you're seeing this article, in the background you can see uh, Terry Obi, the sideline reporter, which I think is really funny. Oh yeah, he's on the right <laughs> side. Yeah, that's that's hilarious. Which uh, yeah, Coach Obi was a great uh, wide wide receiver uh, coach at Western, and he played. Uh, I think he played for the Bears way back in the day, but I don't. Not quite uh, sure how long. Um, Some other Hilltopper news. Uh, We've got two uh, individuals on track team who earned Conference USA Track Athletes of the Week. That is um, Hamlin. Uh, Oh, my gosh. Dartez Hamlin, I'm assuming that's right, and Alexis Williams. Uh, Let's see. Skim it real quick because I'm not really good at reading the stuff beforehand. Um, At least maybe. you can read. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, coming from Allen County, you got to be able to read. You know, I mean, that's that's the senior test. So you're right. Um, okay, so they re- led us at the Kentucky hosted Jim Green Invitational. Uh, Hamlin reset his personal best in the 60 meter race twice on the weekend, posting a 6.94 in the prelims before pu- before turning in another best of 6.91. Good gosh. And on the William on the women's side, Williams turned in two top ten finishes, earning the mark in both the two hundred meter and the four hundred meter races with a pair of personal bests. Uh, the two hundred she had a twenty four point point five four, I'm getting tongue tied, and the four hundred I had that she had a fifty eight point one zero. So, awesome job there. Yeah. I don't, don't think I could go that fast in a truck, but yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> so, congratulations to you two. Uh, uh, so, let's get over into women's basketball real quick. Looks like the women, uh, they did really good. Uh, they've won the last two games since we had our last yeah. show. Uh, they, they, beat- they made up to, for the two losses they had to start the conference, so it's kind of good that they were able to even that out. Yeah, exactly. Um yeah, they they lost to both North Texas and Rice before that. Uh, they yeah. beat UAB 69-65. Nice. And, and then they beat uh, MTSU, which probably one of the most important ones because you always got to oh, beat yeah. middle. doesn't matter what it is. Exactly. They beat them 71-63. to I'm going to talk a little bit about these games because um, – just not a lot going on besides basketball right now. So the uh, season's over. It makes me sad. I know it's so sad. Uh, the women shot forty five percent from the field, forty uh, percent from three point range, and they only had twelve turnovers and thirty one rebounds. So they were six less in the turnovers than UAB, which definitely critical. And they had one rebound more than uh, than UAB did. Mm-hmm. And actually, surprisingly, which is a great thing. We had, 
according to ESPN, uh, 5,122 fans at the game. Yeah, I mean, I think it was the education day, which that's usually one of the biggest turnouts they always have. But it was good to see that turnout. I just wish they could get that more often. Definitely. Uh, looks like against in, against middle, Western, oh my gosh, ladies, they won, but they shot 14% from three-point, which they only had to have shot like, what, eight or nine? Well, let's see. It'd be about 10%. They'd have to shoot 10 and miss all but one. Um, they shot 42% from the field. They had just as many turnovers as MTSU at 15, and they had 43 rebounds to MTSU's 29. Good gracious. Um, yeah, I know. That's that's what won them the game right there. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. And, uh, of course, the attendance was atrocious. Um, 1,352 that day. Uh, but, yeah, that definitely that education weekend definitely helped out for them against UAB. And, I mean, these girls are going to be playing a lot better when we get a lot more fans to go and watch. Yeah. Because, I mean, you So, if you're able to, go watch the games. If you can't, watch it on stream. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Volleyball, I mean, of course, with the dynasty that we have it with uh, Lady Topper Volleyball at the Hill, I mean, it's just ungodly. It's just nice to see people finally showing up to some of these other women's sports. Yes. Sorry, I had our group chat pulled up, and it uh, starts beeping at me. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, support the Lady Tops. They're going to be playing – I'll try and remember to say this at the end of the show. They're going to be playing ODU tomorrow night. Uh, that's 5.30 Central, so 6.30 Eastern on ESPN Plus and the 102.7 locally on the radio. And then they play Charlotte uh, on the 18th, which is Saturday at 3 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. Eastern. And then that will be on ESPN Plus too, so check those out. Uh, if you can't make it to either one of those and um, let's see, is that on the road? The, yeah. ODU. Yeah, both of those are. yeah. Both of them are. Okay. Yeah. So if you're in, you know, Norfolk or Charlotte and you want to go to the games, go show up, support the tops. Um, you know, there'll be a few red people there. That's fine. Always support. Yeah. They definitely need it. They, they'll appreciate it. Um, so let's get to the meat and potatoes tonight. Men's basketball. Of course, <sighs> so back and forth. <laughs> I know it's the thing with me with the men's basketball is it's the same issues, it's the every same complaints. Season. It is, it really is the same complaints every season. Um, but the thing is, okay, so for those of you who don't know, and UAB beat Western 72 62, um, and that was on the ninth, uh, so like last. Uh, yeah, whatever. Uh, that would last be last Thursday. Thursday, yeah. And then uh, they beat uh, Western beat MTSU, which, as we discussed last week, they should have because MTSU yeah. is zero and four right now in conference. Like uh, they're at the bottom of the bottom as far as the conference goes this year. So if we would have lost that, then maybe it would be time to start sharpening your pitchforks. But <laughs> I mean, they're sitting at three and one now. Of course, UAB. That's usually a tough environment, even though they probably had less than 2,000 people there, at least from what it looked like on TV. But they always show up for that game. Uh, I know David Lovin, he always shows up for that game and balled out against Western, which is, that always infuriates people. But, I mean, he, he can go wherever he wants. He's done really good at UAB. They love him there. So, oh, well. Exactly. Let me pop the top. <laughs> while I'm thinking, while we're talking about this. So, Western is now a half a game back from first. 
Which isn't it's bad. Charlotte. I mean, Charlotte is number one, which I never thought I would ever see that. Yeah. Who Especially thought? after they got rid of Mark Price, too. I was not expecting them to kind of rebound the way that they have. But, I mean, the, the last uh, Andy Katz, I think it's the March Madness one, that uh, bracket or whatever, he had Charlotte as like a 15 seed. So if that tells you anything as far as what this conference is like this season, that's Yeah, this conference is crazy. Um Heck, the OVC can have higher seats than we do, and it makes me so upset. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, um, and, of course, men's basketball is going to be playing ODU at 7 o'clock. Now, ODU is actually – they're a half a game behind Western. So they're right. sitting at 2-1, 6-10 overall, and it's just it's just rough. I mean, as far as – And just seeing them be 6-10 and 10 is shocking enough as it is because usually Old Dominion's always been one of the main powerhouses in the conference – that have always had a really competitive team. Heck, our first year in the conference, they were number 25 in the country, and we beat them in Dental Arena, which is the first ranked win I think we had had since God knows when. So to see them kind of fall the way that they have has been really surprising to me. Well, of course, like what we talked about last week with the ODU game, because we kind of stretched ahead, was that ODU is almost like they're – it's like a Virginia little brother. They're doing – Yeah, I mean, Jeff Jones was the coach of Virginia for a little bit. So, I mean, he just does the same offense there. It's still Virginia, just on a lesser scale. But some of the yeah, ugliest scores. Go ahead, sorry. Just some of the ugliest scores, though. I mean, I don't see how people watch Virginia basketball unless you just, like, absolutely love defense because that's all it is. The fact that they held, I think it was NC State, to, like, 24 total points last season, like, that's just ugly. So ugly. And the thing is, is that Western is so bad at breaking a 2-3 zone or 3-2 zone, whatever kind of zone, that they could hold Western to like 24 points if they have another bad shooting night and aren't able to get the ball inside. So I hope that doesn't happen. Of course, that was what beat us in the conference title game was having to jack up a bunch of threes and didn't make any of them because yeah. dead, dead legs at that point and no real good three-point shooters. And hearing from sources that Cam Justice isn't going to be able to play these next two games with the back injury. Of course, Carson Williams' wrist is kind of banged up, and he's wearing a soft cast on it. So I don't know how much that's going to affect him. So Stansbury is going to have to go deeper into his bench. He's going to have to put some people like Jeremiah Gambrell, of course, Jordan Rawls out there, maybe some Isaiah Cozart, some more Matt Horton, some more of those bigger guys too. Because if they're just going to sit on the outside of the three-point line and just pass the ball for 30 seconds and just throw up a bad shot, it's going to be a long night. They've <laughs> got to get some type of offense going or else it's just going to be really frustrating to watch again. Oh, it's going to drive Jake crazy, mm-hmm. which that's the funniest thing for me is, uh, you know, I know when they're jacking up a lot of threes because I'll see him come through on the group chat and what are they doing, you know, or whatever. And it's I, like, it's, I agree, though. I don't blame him, but that's the, it's the same old song and dance. I mean, in, 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 you know, to use a bad phrase. Yeah. But, you know, Stans isn't going to do that stuff. Yeah, like, he's got, like, basically, like, six. You know, it seems to me, basically six guys that play. They got the majority of minutes, and then, you know, then they – some guy might get in for two or somebody might get in for three, but nobody really gets the development and – Honestly, it sounds bad, but it's not really helping our stock if we're wanting to, you know, draw in the bigger players who are only wanting to be in college for a year. Yeah, exactly. So, because I mean, looking at Bassey in his first year, I mean, he did really good. He was nominated for the Kareem Abdul Jabbar Award. 
and all of that great stuff. But, I mean, they still could have got the ball to him so much more. Like, they struggled to get the ball inside to him a lot. And even though he still played a lot of minutes, I mean, I don't know. If I was a five-star recruit and was getting recruited by Western, like, I want to <laughs> guaranteed at least, like, 35 minutes a game. Probably more than that. And... But it's going to be interesting to see, like, regardless of how the season ends up, like how Coach Stansberry is going to recruit his way out of all of the, having a hot seat potentially at the end of this year. Like, if he's still able to land, like, four-star guys, five-star guys, that's great. But at the same time, you haven't really had much consistency keeping the players that you do have. Because yeah. I was talking in the group chat the other day about just think of all of the good players that were either committed to Western and were about to go or were signed and made it to campus and didn't, didn't and did not end up playing in the season. I mean, of course, the one who shall not be named, Mitchell Robinson, is the biggest one. Yep. But and that Jordan Brangers was really good, but had a lot of baggage at his junior college. You still had Trevlin Queen, who turned out to be such a great player for uh, New Mexico State. Uh, that Christopher Durante, or however you say his name, that's yeah. for Oregon. I mean, he's one of their starters now, and he I probably didn't know what happened to him. Like, I remember seeing on the recruiting sites that he was committed, and then he just fell off the face of the earth, and then all of a sudden, I'm kind of staying up late and watching ESPNU, and I see Oregon playing, and I see him in the starting lineup, and I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I was like, I don't know what it is about these players that Coach Stansberry get. I mean, it shows he knows how to get these good players, but he can't get them to stay because of eligibility issues or baggage at a university or just kind of weird, capricious attitudes like Mitchell Robinson had. It's just kind of hard to pinpoint specific things, but just getting these guys that may have eligibility issues, I mean, that's kind of what happens, and that's what puts them into these terrible roster management situations like not having Kenny Cooper this season. And, of course, uh, losing Tolu Smith to transferring, that's come back to bite him a whole lot. So the roster management has been the biggest thing because, I mean, if you look at the past few seasons, it has been the same issues that they've had with different people, which I don't know what to make of it. I mean, you still have your core staples like uh, Hollingsworth and Anderson and Savage. He's been one of those core players too. But let me ask you this question. I was thinking about this when I was watching the – last games, uh, Saturday, the middle game, is that if Western is in a close situation, two minutes left, you need points, who do you give the ball to? Like, who do you think is, like, the star player, the main guy that's healthy right now, so no Charles Bassey? Like, who do you yeah. give the ball to in a clutch situation? That's a tough That's a tough question. Honestly, See, the fact that we can't think of somebody right off the top of our head that we have yeah. full confidence in going into, like, a big shot or something is kind of bad. <laughs> You're absolutely like, right. Who would you, who would you choose though? I know who I'd choose. We'll, we'll, we'll probably have the same answer, but let me see. Um, honestly, I'm trying to think. Um, it'd probably be Anderson. I think. Really? Yeah, I just don't. I wouldn't. I don't. Okay, I want to say. I know what I want to say, but um, I know it would be crazy. But I'm not saying Savage. That's for sure. See, that's what I would still go with Savage. And you really? know why I say that is because he could be like 0 of 7 from 3 for an entire game. And then, like, at the exact moment where you have to have points to survive, he will somehow make a 3. And then everything bad that I've said about him for the entire game is null <laughs> just because of that. I mean, he did that in uh, the overtime game against UTSA last year. Yep. 
like in diddle like he didn't make any good shots in regulation but when he got into <laughs> overtime he made three triples in a row and basically sealed the deal and of course at arkansas too like when that game was getting close to the end of regulation we had to get a triple and he threw one up and he made it so i if i had to give the ball to somebody in the clutch you'd have to be jared savage to me you're, you're I mean, probably his name right. is jared so i would trust him to be clutch so hopefully you're, you're probably right and i I want to say Jared Savage, but he's he's so capricious with his shit. He is. He's, yeah, like nobody's I mean, really consistent. Yeah, and that's the bad part about what what's going on right now. Yeah, like watching the UAB game the other day. Like he came out hot and made three triples in a row, and then it's like he completely disappeared from the game. Yeah, like and Western was making all these triples at the beginning, and I think that they were like. That's, I think they took 17 threes just in the first half against UAB. And do you know what that was? Is because they were having a zone defense. Yeah. They just can't get the ball into the paint against a zone defense. I don't know what it is, but they have to move the ball and actually have body movement, like as in like people going across the court and actually moving from where they are. But mm-hmm. instead, they just kind of stand around the arc and then – uh, just stay in the same position and then try to give it to Carson Williams and he tries to back his way in there with like three people and I'm just like well what do you expect to happen exactly. yeah and that's and that's kind of what I was talking about with I think we were talking on the on our group chat I know I keep going back to that but when we were talking the other day about you know what Bassey's getting locked down I think if Bassey had played you know the, if he had played three or four or any other you know position besides the five I think he would have had a lot more looks or a lot more points, and I think he could have actually left because I think the problem is is none of the other players know how to get the ball into him on the two three or the you know the one two two or what the two one two or whatever. Um, don't, I don't think you know that they. That is? Why is that? Because we don't have a true point guard, and we do, but he's a freshman, Jordan Rawls. Like the, I, I don't know why Tavion Hollinsworth has stuck around this long. Because yeah, honestly, know. if I was him, like if I would have known, like it's, it's just so frustrating for him. I feel really bad for him. I know people have dogged saying, oh, he's just not who he used to be since his freshman year. But he hasn't been able to play the style that he's good at since his freshman year. Because yeah. last season he had to play point guard at the first half of the year until Monte Bearden came back. And this season he's basically having to do it the entire time yeah. when Cameron Justice is healthy. And when Rawls is out there, I mean, he makes a difference. But at the same time, I mean, it's just kind of hard to get him going because they've totally adjusted their styles because they don't have a true point guard. And they've kind of thrown him into that position. Yeah. So, I mean, if I was him, I'd be really frustrated just for the fact that you're such a good player and you know you aren't being utilized in the way that you should. It's sort of like me as a musician. Like, thankfully, I mean, I went to music school and everything. I don't mean this to, like, brag, but I'm a guitar major. My guitar has been the instrument that I've played my entire life, basically, that I feel really comfortable playing. But I can play bass if I have to. I mean, I'm not as good as, like, a full bass player, but, I mean, I could play bass. And drums. I can play drums a little bit, but I'm not a very good drummer. So it's like if I'm in a band setting and someone's like, hey, we need you to be the drummer for this entire set, like, I'm not going to be like, mm, this sucks. Because, I mean, drums is fun. But at the same time, I'm not going to be fully comfortable. I'm not going to be at my max potential because that's not exactly what I'm most comfortable with. So do you kind of get what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, so that's kind of what Tavian Hollingsworth is dealing with right now is just trying to be a point guard. And despite Coach Stansberry seeing it last year and seeing that he's not really a point guard, still playing him that way. 
So there's not really an excuse for that, in my opinion. Uh, Jordan Rawls needs to start, regardless of Justice is healthy or not, just to kind of get the offense flowing the way that it did. Like against the North Texas game, that's another example is when he was in there, he made such a big difference and was able to open the floor up a lot more, was able to get a lot out of transition and just ball movement in general. So it's, oh goodness. I agree with you. You actually used a better example than I was going to say because I was going to be like, well, you know, you play guitar, but could you play banjo? You know, that's kind of what he's looking at. I couldn't do banjo very well. (laughs) Well, I mean, yeah. Okay. But yeah, that's what I was going to say, you know. And, uh, you know, with uh, with, uh, Hollinsworth, you know, having to play that extra position or do whatever, you know, it's one of those where you're like, well... You know, I can do this, but I, you know, I do this better, but I have to do this for the team. And yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, And I think, and this is what I was talking about last week that really frustrates me is I don't feel like there was any kind of backup plan if Charles Bassey got hurt. Yeah, which is kind of bad. (laughs) And and that's, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, I, I mean, of course, we're kind of sitting at it right now, but the like the Titanic issue, you know what I'm saying? You know, they didn't have enough lifeboats. Well, they weren't planning on sinking. Yeah, that's kind of what we had going on. You know, Bassey gets hurt. We weren't planning on him getting hurt. So this is what we're looking at. And it's like, I just don't think that's good coaching. I feel like you have to be, you know, kind of ready for anything to happen. And And he has Horton on his roster as the backup big guy. But, yeah, he never really sees any minutes for, I mean, whatever reason. Yeah, kind of speculate that he's kind of in the doghouse or anything like that. But still, I mean, you got to it. It shouldn't change your entire outlook on your season if you lose one player. Because, I mean, if you think about the NBA and stuff, sure, it happens. But look at the Indiana Pacers, for example. Victor Oladipo is their best player that they have. And he was doing so good last season. And then he went down with that injury. And it would have been really easy for them to just be like, uh, our best players hurt, screw it, I don't really care anymore. But they've actually been really good. Like yeah. they, they didn't do very good in the playoffs last year, but as far as this season, I think they're like 25 and 13 right now. They've wow. won a bunch of games without him and have looked like contenders in the East. They've beaten the Lakers, who only has seven losses on the season. They've had some impressive wins, and he's coming back in a few weeks, thank goodness. But yeah, it, no, just, it just shows that you can build around losing a player. Like, I know in the NBA it's easier because you can just, like, sign somebody that's, like, a G League player or something like that. Yeah. But, I mean, in college it's a lot harder to do because, I mean, you can't pay anybody. <laughs> but, yeah, well, you're not supposed to. <laughs> yeah. But still, though, I mean, that shouldn't really change your game plan a whole lot. And – Stansberry has just struggled adjusting around it because there's no real inside presence. I mean, Carson Williams, he's great, but, I mean, he's 6'5", and he's playing the 5, which it's kind of a height mismanagement if you're going up against somebody that's like 7'1". I mean, yeah. I mean, Justin Johnson was able to do it really good. I mean, he tore up the player from Purdue that uh, Matt Harms or whatever his name was. It's like 7'3". I mean, he was taking it right at him. And was able to do a lot. Sometimes it's sort of like the mouse in the house kind of situation, but it it just depends on so many different things. But I just want to see better roster management. That's just been my biggest issue with this. Because just think if Tolu Smith would have stayed. I feel like this team wouldn't have really lost that much if Bassey went down, honestly. I mean, obviously he's a talented player, but so is Tolu Smith, even though he's a walk-on at a Division I uh, Power 5 school like Texas A&M, I think. 
or Mississippi State. I can't remember which. I know it's down yeah. to those two. They're both maroon and white, and they're both SEC, so they're basically <laughs> the same. But oh, I, yeah, but I agree though. Yeah, um, and I don't think the I think Tulu wasn't really planned. Yeah, because I, I mean, I he so. saw that Bassie was coming back, and he was just like, "Why would I waste my time? I want to actually go play somewhere." And he was like, well, I'll sacrifice a year, my redshirt year, and I'll see if I can work my way up through practice and getting assimilated with the team to hopefully get a scholarship. And yeah. you know what? I think he will. I, th- I, I think, think he's talented right. enough that he's going to be able to work his way up because he was a really talented player, even though he didn't really get as many minutes here. Yeah. Like, on a team like wherever he's at, SEC school that's maroon and white, yeah, I think he'll get some good opportunities uh, and some decent attention from that. Yeah, I agree. Let me see if I can find him real quick. But yeah, that's uh, that was the do 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 Mississippi State. Okay, so yeah. that's Stansbury's old school. Yep, yep, old stomping grounds. Uh, but yeah, um, it, it sounds really funny. But you know, if if Smith had 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 hung out just a little longer, I mean, he would be starting right now. Absolutely. Um, what game was that that Bassey went down? Uh, Arkansas. Arkansas. Yeah, I mean, he would be one, two, three, four, five, six games. And, yeah, how many ever we got left. So, yeah. But do you know what the most frustrating part about that is? What's that? Is that with Bassey in there, Anderson still didn't even start, which that still (laughs) blows my mind. Because if you look at what he's been doing since Bassey went down and he's entered the starting lineup, like part of the reason why we lost some early games was because he wasn't playing that much. Yeah, like I honestly don't think that someone like Justice deserves to start over him because Savage, uh, not Savage, but Anderson has stuck around for three years. He's been a good player. He's been pretty loyal to this program. I think he deserves those minutes over someone that's a grad transfer that's supposed to come in. Like that's just my philosophy. But of course, when you're recruiting someone to come play for you, you make a bunch of promises and everything. Which just the whole ego management. I don't even see how any head coach does it in today's era because people just transfer at the drop of a hat. Like, oh yeah, yeah, you'll play thirty five minutes and you'll start and all this other stuff. And then when it comes down to it, the coach ends up changing their mind either because that player's not doing as good or someone else is doing better. And then they transfer at the end of the season. I mean, look at Delano Banton for an example. Like he was playing a whole lot before Bearden came back, and then Bearden came back. And the playing time was gone, and so was he. He transferred somewhere else. So yeah, yeah, it, it's just so frustrating. It is, and I mean, it's kind of like what you're talking about. But it's, of course, we're getting into that season, and I don't know. A lot of news will be covering this, but with uh, the political ads that are probably going to start popping up in the next oh, six yeah. months. Which, oh, by the way, those guys are going to be promising everything under the sun, and ladies should say. They're going to be promising everything under the sun, and it's just like, yep, <laughs> you know. And it's one of those things that, I mean, not to get political, but, mm-hmm. you know, they promise you the sun, and it's the same way with football coaches or basketball coaches or whoever. Um, they'll promise you whatever, and then just to get you here. And honestly, I'd prefer if they just, uh, you know, kept it real and just said, you know, you're going to have a chance to start. You know, you may not be the best, but this is what's what you're looking at, you know. Yeah. Uh, but, uh I mean, we'll just have to see as far as basketball is concerned, you know. Yeah, I mean, there's so many different issues to dissect, which is just so frustrating because, I mean, the whole roster management and the whole recruiting thing, 
and then it translates into the playing time that only certain players get and all these other there's so many different layers to it yeah that it's just really really hard to completely delve into because i mean we could be talking for hours about all the different issues that are around this team whether you think it's coaching or whether you think it's whatever issue like i mean you could probably make a case for it but we just got to hold tight and just see what this season brings because yeah. we got a couple of important games coming up here in Diddle this week. I'll hopefully Definitely. Be to, I'll for sure be at the Old Dominion game. I'm not sure about Charlotte yet. So it's just going to be. Say, both of those are going to be big games. Um, yeah, especially Charlotte because yes. they're at the top of the conference right now. So, I mean, both yeah. of these are games that I think that Western needs to win. So it looks like. Um, We've got ODU, and these are both at home. Uh, we've got ODU on the 16th at 8 p.m. Um, I think that's Eastern, uh, 7 p.m. Central. Uh, let's see if, yeah, it's 8 p.m. Eastern. Okay. Uh, and then Charlotte is 5 p.m. Uh, Eastern on the 18th. Uh, and I don't – is that stadium? I'm not really sure. Usually when it comes to home games, I just end up going. I don't really look at the TV to begin with. And then we got Marshall on the 22nd, so next – uh, next Wednesday uh, at 7 p.m. we'll have Charlotte. Uh, so, yeah. And also, uh, I think it's February 6th. I know it's like the first week of February. Uh, we play Louisiana Tech and Diddle, and they're bringing back the black uniforms. So that's probably going to be a bad loss. Probably, with a lot if of If the foul. UAB game showed anything, it'll be a bad loss. <laughs> with They'll a lot feel of like foul. the Houston Rockets, but they won't shoot like them, probably. <laughs> the... Uh... So I have to say this because I feel like every time it's ever brought up, there is a certain person um, that's not on the show tonight that always has to remind us that whenever they wear black uniforms, statistically refs call more uh, penalties or you know fouls yeah. or whatever against the uniform, t- the team wearing black. So there you go, Jake. Not naming so what names. you're saying is officials are racist. <laughs> Essentially, it seems that way. <laughs> I mean, the uh, facts speak for themselves. I mean, yeah, so statistically, you got to watch that. Uh, but, yeah, we'll see. So Western's got the blackout uniforms for the Louisiana Tech game on uh, February 6th on CBS Sports Network. Um, I imagine I will probably be in a uh, days of sleepless baby whatever. Yeah, at that you point. won't know what day it is. You'll forget that sports are a real thing. <laughs> and yeah, I'll be like, what? Am I awake right now or am I asleep? I don't know what's going on. Um, so a heads up on that front, just so you all know, my listeners, um, Kara's going to be induced on the 29th if she, the baby's not here already. So that's like two weeks out. That's soon. Uh, I know, right? It's so nerve-wracking. Like, she calls me now, and yeah. it's one of those where I'm just like, yeah, what's up? And she's like, hey, don't forget to do this or this or this. And I'm thinking, and, you know, deep down I'm expecting, oh, my God, I'm going to, you know, and it's just like, oh. So, yeah, she called me today to ask about something or, you know, something for work. And I was like, uh, you know, just expecting that phone call and have to go get her and run to the hospital, you know, or whatever. So uh, it's getting to that point. So uh, just be patient. We'll do our best to uh, uh, keep going and rolling out the show. And Jared will be helping us out a ton. So, yeah, I'll try to hold it down. (laughs) Hey, you'll be you'll do fine. I'm not worried about it. Um. So, yeah, like we said, ODU, Charlotte, and Marshall. Um, so how do you think we're going to split these next few weeks? ODU, do you think we win or lose? Old Dominion, I wish I could say that we could win that. 
But just using this season as an example, there's I have zero confidence to say that for sure we can beat somebody because we always play at the level of our competition. Yeah. Whether it's like if we played the number one team in the country, I feel like they would have a good showing. Just well, well with Louisville, they shot really bad, but they they still try to show up for most games. Like Arkansas, they rose to the occasion, but then there's other teams that are not as good, and they just don't really rise to the occasion for that which is frustrating, but tomorrow I think it'll be a close game, probably really ugly scoring, just for the fact that, that if Old Dominion gets to play their style of basketball, it's not going to be a very high-scoring game. I, yeah. I think we could pull it off, maybe like a five-point win late, but, man, if they get their defense set the entire time, if we're not able to get much out of transition, then it could be ugly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what I was going to say is with teams like ODU – you have to get them out off balance, you know, not in their style of play, because when they can get back and get comfortable and get into their style, then you have to play on their terms, and that's yeah. you know that's when everything gets screwed up, uh, for uh, as far as we're concerned. Uh, but I think if they can do that, then definitely we have a shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they'll really need to rely on Anderson tomorrow. He's I definitely need someone that they really need. They need, like get him some good looks and transitions, some crazy dunks to get everybody excited. And just let him work in the paint a little bit. If Williams isn't going to be a hundred percent, so he's going to be a core player for tomorrow. That's my key to the game, I guess. If Anderson gets a lot of touches, uh, yeah, um, and definitely if you can get that uh, quote sixth man in there and get Western all hyped up and you know going yeah. crazy like you said with Anderson doing a bunch of good stuff like that, you're definitely going to have some you know kind of crazy. I, I think Western can beat them. I don't know if they will. Because they have to be offensively, you know, overpowering. Um, and I just don't know if they can do that. Especially on the inside. Unless they're just absolutely shooting lights out from beyond the arc. I, I don't know. <laughs> That's me too. It'll, it'll be pretty close. Now, Charlotte, what do you think? Do you think they'll win or lose? I would be lying if I said I've seen a single second of Charlotte basketball this season. <laughs> Just for the fact that, I mean, it's Charlotte. Usually I forget that they have a basketball team to begin with. But <laughs> you have to take them seriously now because they're the top of the conference right now. I think they're going to try to ride off of that momentum of knowing that they're a really good team. I think they've bought into that. They know that. So they're going to be playing with a lot of confidence. So, it's just hard for me to guess because you don't know which team is going to show up. If yeah. I say if it was a team like North Texas, then I would say that we have a good shot at it. But even that game, they still didn't do that good in the first half. They scored over 60 points in the second half. I mean, it just shows if whether or not they get anything going offensively or if they just kind of actually play with a lot of heart. That's the biggest issue is if they rise to the occasion. I mean, with them knowing that Charlotte is such a good team and they're at the top of the conference, I feel like then we may show up for that game just to try to make a statement, show that we're still around. I think that'd be a very important game for us to win Saturday. So hopefully I do too. we'll see. I do too. I agree. Um, so how do we have Marshall back to back? Because we're road partners with them. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So that's usually how that works out is that whenever you have the team that you travel with, you play them back to back. So we'll have to deal that deal with that. Which hopefully we can get that out of the way with two easy wins because I know Marshall struggled a lot. They've kind of got a little better now that conference play has gotten here. 
But they're still a team that we are more than capable of beating. Even when they had Elmore there, we were more than capable of beating them. It was just the fact that he would somehow go off and make 10 three-pointers and 30 points without even thinking about it. But now that they don't really have that, I know they still have some good young players. They have some good guards as well. So I haven't seen Marshall play much either. I know that they've lost some ugly games like to Toledo. They got routed by like 26 points or more. So you would think that we would be better than a team like Toledo that could definitely come in and do something like that. But again, who are we to know how Western basketball does? Because the moment (laughs) we start believing in them and say that they're going to do so well, they lose and have a game like Belmont. And then when you think that the sky is falling and we're just going to be terrible, then they have a second half like they did against North Texas and then just leave us all kind of shocked. So, I mean, it's just so hard to guess what's going to happen. So – on the BPI for Marshall, Western's sitting at 73%. That's awfully generous. Is that at home first or on the road? That's We're on the road, and then we come home. What's uh, the one for at home, then? If, that, if 73 oh, is for no, no, no. home, then not be 80. 73 is for home. Okay. So that makes on, more sense. I was going to say. <laughs> so on the road, Western's sitting at 46%. So that's, that's I interesting, that's I think. Um so apparently, I, I honestly think. Excuse me. I think we'll actually split that series. Yeah, I don't know if we'd be able. I to think win Marshall's going to get theirs at home, and we'll get ours. At, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say I don't know if we'll be able to win both of those, just for the fact that I mean it is a rivalry game. Of course, the good old moonshine throwdown can't forget. It's not yep. just football; it's basketball too. And they've had their good moments. We've had our good moments destroying them like a few years ago, like a hundred and something to eighty something. I would yeah. love to see that kind of performance, but I don't know what it would take for this team to get fired up enough, fired up enough to actually do that. So uh, we'll see. I'm with you there. You know, it's um, it would be a really tough thing to see. Um, in my opinion, I didn't really comment as far as ODU. I don't see Western breaking that defense. I think it'll be a close game, uh, but I think ODU is going to pull it out and win. Uh, Charlotte, I think the guys will show up for Charlotte. Uh, yeah. I think they'll be. I think they're going to be, pardon my French, pissed after the ODU game. So they're going to be upset after that, and they're going to take it out on Charlotte. And then Marshall is rivalry, and honestly, I think Marshall is a better basketball rival than they are football. Oh, that's a hot take. I appreciate that. They, um, my thing is, is what was that a year or two ago when they had the in and out shot? Yeah, it rolled around the rim, and then they won by that last second shot. Um, Thank you I, for the painful memories. I know, right? Um, it's, that's what we're getting to here in a minute is the best memories from football this year. Mm, but um, no, so, I mean, I think, and honestly, Marshall is getting better as far as a football rival. Mm-hmm. There are so many, you know, every year we play them, I hate them more and more. <laughs> Which is crazy because if you just think of how the rivalry started, like I never thought – like, I mean, obviously, I saw there was just something about that game, the very first one, and yes. I knew it was going to end up being pretty good. But I don't see how you could ever top the very first game that we had in football just because of what was at stake, the score, the players that we had, just the intensity of everything. But, yeah, yes. it's delivered. I mean, this past season, it was still down to the wire. It came yeah. down to their incredible kicker that's probably going to be playing on Sundays, making like a 56-yard field goal. Or no, it was even longer than that, wasn't it? Yeah, he, he was made like almost sixty, which is ridiculous. And he yeah, had to do it was... twice because Helton called a timeout 
So and then he did it the third time too. And I was like, yeah. gosh. Uh, let me see if I can find that field goal. It was a fifty-three yarder, um, and he did it three times. Yeah, so because I think he had two timeouts. There's not many kickers in the Conference USA that can really do that, or college no. football in general. Heck, Alabama, they never get a good kicker. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, and that's that's one thing. Even um, LSU's kicker missed some at the national championship game, hooking them. <laughs> yeah, that was one thing. I kept hearing this one ESPN guy talking, and he's like. This is uh, what was it, Joe Burrow's world, and we're just living yeah. in it. And I'm like, yeah. dude, you know, just like, come on, man. Uh, but yeah, that was that. Yeah, that Marshall game. Completely hate those guys after that game. I mean, it's just, ugh, you just loathe them, you know. Um, and I don't think they actually did anything after us, really. I mean, they oh, won, really? you know, in football, but they didn't really, they didn't really excel. If that makes any sense. Yeah, they did. You know, did. Jake would say. Yeah. Now FAU did. I mean, they went eleven and three. You know, Kiffin's gone to the SEC, which hallelujah. Yeah, let him go back to the SEC for like the fifteenth time or however long it's been. Because <laughs> I mean, well, he's been everywhere. Has he ever yeah. stayed in a place more than four years? I highly doubt it. Besides FAU, I don't think so. Yeah, because um, I mean, FAU is the longest he stayed anywhere. So, Al fans, I know a lot of them are appreciative of the past few seasons they've had. They've had two conference titles out of him. I think yep. that's about as good as they're going to get for a while. I mean, now they have Willie T. So, who knows what's going to happen? I feel like he's going to pick a kind of right where off, right where he left off, as far as I'm concerned. Because I mean, he's a good coach. So Kiffin started, which by the way, I cannot stand him, and he yeah. always beats us, and I it drove me nuts when he was at FAU. Um, so Kiffin started as an assistant at Fresno State in 97-98 season. Then he went to Colorado State as a GA. He worked for the Jaguars as a offensive coordinator or quality control, sorry, in 2000. USC as a tight ends coach. Uh, 2002 to 4, he was a wide receivers coach at USC. Uh, 05, 06, he was the offensive coordinator and pass game coordinator. Uh, so basically what Sanford's doing right now, yeah. uh, but with somebody else. And then 7-8, to eight, he was with the Raiders. 0-9, he was at Tennessee, which, God, I hate that game. Ugh, yeah. that was awful. 10-13, uh, to 13, he was at USC. Yeah. Uh, two years at Alabama as the offensive coordinator. And then 17 through 19, he was at FAU. Mm-hmm. So the longest he's ever been anywhere, I know this is what y'all want to hear listening to a Western podcast, um, was USC for three years. Yeah. Then he was at USC from 01 to 06 for five years as an assistant coach. Mm-hmm. So that's the longest he's been anywhere. And now it's uh, Coach Helton's brother, Clay Helton. Yes. yes. And I, it's still crazy to me that they were still after him. Like, they didn't do that bad this season. I know they've had injuries to their quarterback and stuff, but I don't know why they hate poor old Clay over there, but... I don't know either. I mean, so many fan Like, the bigger the school, the more toxic the fan base. I'm a firm believer in that. I mean, just look at the University of Tennessee. Look at places like USC. Like, if you underperform just a little bit, they want your head on a silver platter. I think, well, um, 
and it's not always the bigger schools, I don't think. Well, I mean, I, I'm using Florida State as an example, too. I mean, with Willie Taggart, I never really feel like he got that fair of a shot because yeah. his first season, they basically wrote him off and they didn't expect anything else out of him. Like, I know a lot of the fan base wanted him gone after his first year, which I thought was kind of ridiculous. And even though, I mean, it didn't really work out the way either side thought that it would. I mean, still, though, you don't want somebody gone just after one season. At least let them see what they can do for you. Well, see, that was uh, that was my argument with, uh, like, Sanford. First year, Jake was completely against Sanford. Yeah. I mean, well, at least let him have two seasons. I least. agree. I agree. Unless you're, unless you're the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> let me rephrase that. Yeah, yeah. But – the Cleveland Browns are ridiculous. I'm sorry. I don't know why anyone would want to coach for them. I don't either. Because, I mean, with Freddie Kitchens and everything, like what happened is that him and Odell kind of got into it, and Odell Beckham didn't like what he was doing or whatever. So, of course, they're going to pamper him trying to make him stay. But I don't even think he wants to stay in Cleveland anymore because it's Cleveland. Exactly. I agree. I mean, and, and the bad thing is, is – where college, the school usually backs up the coach, you know, in, in certain circumstances they won't. But in yeah. the pros, typically they go with the player. Oh, yeah, and, always. You know, it's, you know, that's the thing with coaches. Like, for instance, like uh, Bobby Petrino, Nick Saban, you know, some of these guys that have gone coach pro, they come back to college because they're like, that ain't worth it, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Speaking of college, where is, um, oh, what's his name? I uh, used to coach at Oregon. Uh, Chip Kelly? Oh, Lord, man. I know, right? I'm just pulling out way old names now. Um, I know he's somewhere. Like, not not Notre Dame. I don't think it's He's at UCLA. UCLA, that's right, yeah. Yes. I knew it was golden blue for some reason. <laughs> yeah, he's at the he, – apparently he coaches at UCLA right now. Okay. Which is so funny. Um, but, yeah, he was one of those that went – he coached pro for a few years, and then you know yeah, for the Eagles. Sixteen, yeah, he was at, well. He was with the Eagles, and then he was a year with San Francisco. Yeah, and it just so, is not, like his type of offense just doesn't really translate to the NFL very well. Yeah, That's yeah. usually why most places don't get somebody out of college to go into the NFLs because usually there's still enough of a gap that it just does not work as well as it should. I mean, if you look at Arizona's coach, I mean, he's one of the youngest in the league, and they haven't really accomplished much under him yet. I know he's just kind of getting started, but well, at the same even time, no, you're fine. But even like FCS level, yeah, like FCS to FBS, like Elson, I, that's why I always thought, you know, I didn't ever express my opinion, you know, when I was with the team, but I always thought when when Elson got the extension, I thought, well, that's kind of preemptive, isn't it? Yeah. You know, I was like, that's just kind of seems early. And then once, you know, he went seven and five, you know, they kind of, I, I guess that was when they re-upped it. And then um, after that, it just tanked. And it was like, yeah. you know, like, well. <laughs> you served your purpose. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for <laughs> and your service. And then he became Franklin's coach. Yes. Which, and the sad story there is I've heard that he lived in someone's basement there. Yeah. And his, yeah, and I don't know, I, I don't remember where his wife and kids went, but it wasn't my basement because I don't. No, know no, no. Maybe know it was. Maybe that was when he was at Arizona. I don't remember, but at yeah, some point he slept in someone's basement, and I always just felt so bad for him after yeah, here. Yeah, that is really sad. And I mean, I, I wish I wish David Elson the best. Don't get me wrong. Um, you know, even seeing him coaching for Ball State, I still think you know, hey, you know, he's a good coach. He's a good defensive-minded person, and. Uh, I think he's, you know, got talented someday. Maybe he'll get back to the uh, 
the head coach's chair, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, but so speak, since we're still talking football, uh, some of it our favorite does. memories. Yeah, it does. Uh, some of our favorite memories from the past football season since Western beat Western Michigan, and now they are known as West West Ma- Waste Management University. Um, so we are the only true Western now. Um, We're the yeah. best Western, as Ross we, said. <laughs> yeah, we are the best Western. Uh, you know, we should start a hotel chain or something. But anyway, yeah. um, so I don't necessarily have memories. Uh, of course, like the Corey Munson kick is definitely on – it's got to be top 10 for me. Yeah. Um, but definitely like wins in general are more for me, uh, beating army, which that was just a trudge match. Yeah. That was a fun game to be at too, because it was military appreciation day. Like all the nice things that they did for service, man. I know they had some of the players who were military brats, have parents in the military. We're talking about their service and everything. And I was sitting next to a bunch of army people where I was sitting in the house too. And they said they had never seen anything like that before as far as like having players talk about their parents serving in the military. And they thought that was really touching. So that was probably one of the highlights for me. I mean, that's very classy what Western did for Army. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, major respect. And the fact that we won, too. I know Army ended up not doing very well at all. But at the time, I mean, they were still viewed as a really good team. And it's still a pretty good win to have, beating one of the Armed Forces schools. So And, and I mean, not to step on your toes there, but – but even with the military brats, and I know I've, I talked about this before the game and after the game and everything, but like their practices are like 4 a.m. I yeah. mean, they have practice like at the, you know, butt crack of dawn. And then at 6 a.m., they get up and they got to go do their PT. So those dudes are like mm-hmm. completely, you know, conditioned. And the thing with Army, which I didn't realize at the time, was that their, um, their play calling is based off of like a computer program. program. So they know, like, based off the play, the position of the ball, the down markers, they know what they're supposed to do. There is no question, you know, you run this play on this, you know, run the ball on this, pass the ball on this, go for the field goal here. You do this, you do this. And I'm like, that is so analytical, but it's so, you know, it's just like, come on, man, you know. I mean, it makes sense for the military to pay that much attention to stuff. But maybe they have, like, secret drones, like live satellites and stuff that they're (laughs) using to read the defense. (laughs) I doubt it. They're not the New England Patriots, so. No, no, yeah. Or apparently, what is it, the Astros or the Red Sox? Oh, yeah, it's the Astros. They got in a bunch of trouble. I can't believe we forgot about that with our losers, but, yeah. And by the way, I was talking to somebody today. How come, like, the Astros do that? They fire the coach. They suspend him for a year from the, from the MLB. But he didn't, like, get the full suspension for life like Pete Rose. I don't know. I still think Pete Rose <laughs> deserves a better chance. I mean, I he's just been completely blacklisted at this point. And people will always fight for him to be in the Hall of Fame. He should be. Of, so because of all the other people that have done it, and it's just kind of brushed under the rug, it's just the fact that it was such a big deal at the time when it happened to him that he's just kind of the poster child of when that happened, and just it's sad. I think I really think um, the – I was talking to my dad is who it was. I was talking to him today, and, of course, he said, you know, maybe not – I mean, maybe keep the suspension for life in full effect, but allow him in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, and I was like, "That's that's that seems reasonable. That's nothing, you know, completely crazy." Um, but and <laughs> I love the story Pete Rose tells, so I'll tell it again. I don't care. Do um, uh, so Pete Rose, heavily gambling addiction, huge gambling addiction, yeah. 
And so they asked him, they were like, what's the craziest gambling story you've ever had? So he's at a, he's at a horse track in Ohio or wherever. Kentucky Downs. <laughs> yeah, we'll say Kentucky Downs, sure. Mm. Uh, so he's at the Downs, and the horse he's betting on is coming around the track, and it's, you know, it's going to win by like eight lengths, and he's like super excited. And he's cheering, and he's, you know, getting ready to go cash this thing. And all of a sudden, this deer jumps out of the side and takes the jockey out. Mm. So the rule is, which I didn't realize, I just assumed the horse had to win, uh, was that the horse has to have the jockey on the back of it. Yeah, because that happened at the Kentucky Derby last year, didn't it? That a horse got, the jockey fell off and it kept going, and I wanted it to win so bad. (laughs) I can't remember which one it was. I don't remember either, but yeah, so that's what, yeah, that's a great, That's that was one of my favorite stories, and he was just like so defeated. He was like, are you kidding me? Is this my luck that, you know, I bet on that horse and the damn horse got, the jockey got knocked up. Um, Another favorite for me was the FIU win. Um, yeah. you know, coming off that Sanford season where we, you know, got drugged through the mud basically, um, to beat FIU, even though FIU really didn't have that great a season overall, uh, was great. Of course they did beat Miami, uh, yeah. which was great. Um, and then of course the biggest game that was so exciting was the Arkansas game. Yeah. Loved that. I mean, just basically Ty story, just developing into this amazing quarterback during that game. And then, going out and destroying USM and then MTSU following that. So, I mean, which, by the way, any year you beat MTSU is a great year in my book. So It was one of the ugliest games as far as weather because, I mean, I was wearing a poncho. It was fun because me and Hunter and uh, Alex, he was there too. We were all sitting together enjoying the game, and we were right next to Quinn Jernigan's family, which was really nice. <laughs> It was his. It was senior night. It was his last time being able to play in the house, and he was the one that got the touchdown right in front of us that put us in the lead late in the game. So you can imagine how fun that was. <laughs> oh, no doubt. And I, I believe that y'all were on TV. Yeah, we and- were. I don't know if it was you that got a screenshot. Somebody got a screenshot. Yes. Of it. it is the three of us. <laughs> so. I tried. I did try to get the screenshot, but I wasn't quick enough. Uh, but, yeah, that was, uh, that was a really – I bet that was a lot of fun sitting by the parents. Oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> because, I mean, they get so into it because, I mean, oh, obviously they're so proud of their kid. And, and especially to get when they get a touchdown, I mean, that's like the pinnacle of excitement. Of it course. It really is. Um, so what were some of your favorite memories? Uh, definitely that, just the middle game in general. Because usually whenever there's a game that's like atrocious weather or just something crazy kind of happens like that, you remember it more than just like uh, your basic like 70 degrees, decent weather oh, yeah. game. Like especially like the LSU game in 2015. I know there's a lot of good memories with that from other people talking about how it's literally like flooding into the stadium. Like it's just random stuff like that that's good memories. Oh, yeah. that's- uh, of course, the Army one, that was another good one. It's just been such a good year, just in general, seeing us get to nine wins this season. I don't think any of us would have been close to predicting that. Even in the article, like, I'm going to have to start on it soon. I already posted it this time last year, my uh, every prediction and expectation to have for football, where I go through every single possible uh, way they can end the season and talk about how realistic it is. Yeah. So I'm going to have to do that again, just because that's a really fun article to put together. 
Yeah, but, so yeah, definitely, guys, be watching for that to drop because that's yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. To I read. did have eight and four on there, obviously, but I said that it was kind of unlikely to have, and that someone would have to play at a Brandon Dowdy level, <laughs> a quarterback for us to succeed that well. Which I mean, Ty Story, I mean, he finished as a really good quarterback. I mean, he didn't get the numbers near as good as Dowdy, but I mean, he was just a good game manager. That was yeah, the thing was. that I, I loved watching about this team is that having those drives, especially in the second half when you have the lead, that are like eight to ten minute drives, just eating up the clock and going down the field like 80-something yards and then still getting points after it. Like That's exactly what you want in a football team. Is to it be is. Able to, when, especially when you have the lead, you want to be able to eat the clock, you want to have the time of possession in your favor, and you want to end the drive with points regardless of how long the drive is. So the fact that they were able to do that so well under Coach Helton is definitely, definitely a great sign for the future, regardless of who quarterback is next year. I think it's going to be important to still be able to have that kind of slow and, and slow and steady kind of pace to the game. So, okay, I'll ask you this while we're talking about Helton. Yeah. So we have another year. Let's say we've got a just a clone of this year, you know, great year, nine and four, go to a bowl, win the bowl. Um. So, how long does Helton stay? Does he leave after this next year, or? Mm, I don't want to think about that. <laughs> but that's the reality of Western, because I mean, yeah. we're a smaller school. We've always been known as a stepping stone school for other coaches and players and stuff like that. That's just kind of the reality in which we live in. But I don't think he'll completely peace out. I mean, unless we have I think a year. Oh. Well, here's my thing: is that if we he has a season like Debrom did in 2015, then I think he would be out. Like, thankfully with Brom, I don't know if he was holding out for Louisville potentially or some other big school to open up, and which is why he stayed after 15. I thought he was gone after 15, but he still stayed for 16, got us another conference title. Yeah. And then he went to Purdue, so we did get an extra year out of him, which was nice. But I feel like he would go the same route Brom did and stay three years at least. I, I really I think, hope so. Honestly, I th- honestly think that Brom, I think if he'd have got the right money, he would have probably left before the 16. Yeah. And but, if Petrino would have been out at Louisville after 15, I feel like he could have taken that too, even though there was still issues with that, that they never really gave him the money that they that he really wanted to yeah. go there. I think that was kind of the situation. Of course, people were reporting that he was going there anyways and then did it, which was so funny. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. But I don't feel sorry for Louisville. I, I don't either. But, I mean, honestly, I, I applaud what Satterfield, Scott Satterfield. Yeah, he turned it around pretty quick. And, uh, honestly, I think Chris Mack's done a really good job at Louisville, too, as far as basketball is concerned. Um, yeah. I will – I'm going to give you give them props. You know, I'm not necessarily a Louisville fan, but I'll give them props when Same. I think they've done well. So, um yeah, another, I, I don't know if you saw this. This is we haven't spoken about this yet, and I have to bring this up. Go ahead. I was dying laughing when I saw it. <laughs> but one of my other winners and just favorite moments of this entire college football season was last night at the end of the uh, national championship game. Freaking Odell Beckham Jr. was handing out hundred dollar bills to the wide <laughs> receivers of LSU. Burrow. He was just getting like a wad of like a thousand dollars and just like giving him like the handshake thing and just giving it to him on national TV. This man does not care. I'm sorry, but in like the NCAA, NCAA just sitting there going, 
Who took that money? Did you write those numbers down? Those, you no, know. and it was like their best players too. Is there uh, Justin Jefferson, that wide receiver they have? I think Chase, whatever uh, his first name is, I can't remember. And of course, I think Burrow. But if they're seniors, what can they do about it? That's I, my question. I don't know. I mean, honestly, you know, if they're seniors, like you're saying, I don't know if there's a lot they can do. You know, once the game is finished and he starts passing it out, I don't. I mean, technically, they're not players anymore. Yeah. Technically, they're not student athletes. I don't know where the NCAA draws their line, though. So. But I would have loved – the. I just wish I could have had a camera on Mark Emmert's face. If he, <laughs> if he was standing there – he was probably at the game, I imagine. It's a big NCAA deal, so I imagine he was. Even Todd Stewart was there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's just walking around looking at all the players. Congratulations, congratulations. <laughs> and then you see the superstar of the NFL, Odell Beckham Jr., just throwing out $100 bills to everybody. <laughs> That's hilarious. Actually, I will bring up one thing since we're kind of at the end of the show here. There, if you have Netflix, there is a documentary called "Inside uh, Inside the Mind of a Killer" or something. Oh, and is that the Aaron Hernandez thing? Exactly. That's what I was going to oh, say. Yeah, they have a movie. They have a uh, three part documentary about Aaron Hernandez and the big. Um, I mean, the case with him killing uh, Od- Odin Lloyd or yeah. Lloyd Odom or whatever his name is. Uh, with him killing him, and then of course him being charged with the other two murders uh, that happened in 2012. I mean, it's. I mean, it, you kind of go down a rabbit hole, and there's a lot of stuff playing into it, and it's really interesting. So, that for I'm not going to ruin it for anybody, but for those of you who uh, like those drama, uh, crime drama shows, excuse me, I'm combining words now. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, check that out because that's. I've watched the first episode. I was going to start watching the second one, but I didn't want to start and then have to hear from my wife that I started without her. Yeah. So, yeah, it's all that good stuff. And if you're doing Rex, can I give one real quick? Go for I've it. Been obs- I've been obsessed with this ever since I started watching it on uh, Amazon Prime Video. Is the Hellier documentary series? I don't know if you've heard of this. It's like these paranormal investigators that are going into like Eastern Kentucky. Like they got these really weird emails of someone saying that they had like goblins that were coming out of like abandoned mines and caves. And he had these pictures of like footprints and everything. So they're trying to piece together. Of course, like I'm sure you've heard of the Kelly Hopkinsville goblins too. That was another thing. You haven't heard of this, man. You need to research all the weird crap that has happened in this state that we call (laughs) Kentucky. Because even Franklin, Kentucky, this was really weird. Like, the Hellier series makes such a big deal out of, like, synchronicities and these things that don't really seem like it can be a coincidence because of just how it winds up exactly the way that it does with what they're researching in this case. And I was looking personally into something that happened here in Franklin. It was the Thomas Mantell UFO crash incident. And that was in 1946 when, uh, in Louisville, they got the support of a UFO. And they basically sent these uh, skilled pilots after it and were trying to chase it. And somewhere in the process of them going after the UFO, his plane crashed in Simpson County. So that was a big deal. That made huge national headlines talking about like how it was supported, like reportedly shot down by a UFO and all of this stuff. But thinking of like the synchronicity things, this was weird because I looked at the date. I was going to go to the historic center downtown. They've done a bunch of renovations to the archives and see what I was going to see what they had on the Mantel UFO incident. The day that I went was the anniversary of the plane accident. 
And oh, wow. I was so not only did I watch both seasons of this already, <laughs> where it talks about all these weird paranormal like synchronicities and stuff, and then that happens, and I'm just like, what the heck is this? I don't know, but it's really cool. <laughs> so, do you watch like the Ancient Aliens show and all that? Well, I don't really watch that. I love to watch it from an outside perspective just to see if it has any merit whatsoever. And in Hellier, I mean, there's a lot of things that definitely sound far-fetched and how, like, it could tie into the Mothman thing that happened in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. That's another weird thing that happened. But, I mean, I don't fully (laughs) believe it, but it's kind of weird. And it's still fun to watch because there's a lot of cool stuff in the the state of Kentucky to look at, but... Yeah, yeah, that's... Uh, if, you're, if you're into weird stuff, like paranormal stuff, I recommend it. Just be sort of open-minded, because if you actually look at it from the viewpoint that it's real, then it, it's not that good. But <laughs> but it's still fun. It's still fun. That's hilarious. Yeah, um, yeah, I'll definitely have to check that out. I'm uh, Working in the industry I work in, I do not... I'm more skeptical than I am on, you know, with, like, ghosts and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but you know, hey, to each his own. If you want to look into it and you know believe into it, you know, you go right ahead. I just, I will. My word of advice is that the only ones you have to worry about are the living. So you're right. Um, actually, you're talking about ghost stuff, and I got a couple minutes here before we cut out. Oh, please uh, tell me you have a ghost story with your line of work, please. No, <laughs> well, I I do have I do have some stories, but um. Have, do you have a one of those ghost bridges in Simpson County? No, but we do have the Octagon Hall, which is one of the most haunted locations in the state. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, actually, the whole South. Like, there's people that come like for the national TV, like Travel Channel, Sci-Fi, places like that that have sent like the Ghost Hunters team and the Tennessee Wraith Chasers. A bunch of people have come to Octagon Hall. Um. So you t- you want to hear a couple ghost stories, please? Uh, so in. Uh, the only thing I can think of off the top of my head that was really kind of like was um, <laughs> I hope you like the sound effect uh, was the um, was one night uh, one another, myself and another gentleman we the family had just walked out we're turning off lights uh, in the funeral home and we're fixing to walk out the back doors and go home for the night and uh, as we're turning off lights I, I was like hope nobody le- nobody's left in here. And I hear this girl's voice say, hello. And I was like, oh, shit, I just locked somebody in. So I started turning the lights back on. And, you know, we both walked through the entire place twice. Nobody there. It was just us two. It was a girl's voice. It was not, you know, this was not a text message. You know, I've tried to debunk it. Trust me, I was just, you know, it's one of those things, like, I try to debunk it. I try to look. Yeah, because I do the same thing, yeah. But, well, I'll tell you another one. I was so freaked out one night. Yeah. Um, so we're turning off lights, same time, same thing. Turning off lights in the, in our main chapel. And all of a sudden, I hear music. And it was like, doo-doo-doo. And I was like, what the hell was that? And so we're, I kind of look at the other guy, and we're both kind of freaked out. So we just both, you know, turn, finished turning off lights and walked out, out the back. I debunked it, okay? Oh, good, so good. We have a Samsung TV in the back of the room. Mm-hmm. And it was on, and whenever you turn it off, it has the the sound that turns that for the turn off. So it does the dun 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 or whatever, you know. Yeah. And so that I did debunk one of those, but the girl yelling hello, I have not been able to debunk that yet. See, that's a Bishop Bullwinkle kind of moment. That's a hell no. <laughs> Forget that. I'm out. 
<laughs> and I've gone to the Octagon Hall. They used to have it open on uh, the entire month of October on the weekends. It was like the Haunted Hall where they would do ghost tours and walk you across the property at night. And a lot of that was set up. I mean, yeah. the person that owns it, I mean, they want to try to scare you a little bit. But oh, yeah. I've heard so many stories, especially when I was in high school. Like, they just take high schoolers and have them kind of volunteer and be the people that scare them. But they were freaked out at so many different things that happened when nobody else was in there. Like, they, there was one person that was hiding in a closet that was waiting for the next tour to come in in the basement. Which, in the basement of the Octagon Hall, that's where, like, this little girl died in, like, the 1800s. And supposedly her ghost is one of the ones that haunts the place. And they were just sitting there, and they just see, like, this ghostly figure walk across, and they go into the other room to see who it was, because they totally thought it was a person. Nobody there. Oh, my God. single person there. And even I've seen weird stuff there, too. Like, I felt like that one of the things with the little girl is that you feel like it's almost like someone's tugging on your shirt just a little bit, and you turn around, and there's nothing there, and it's not hung on anything. And I mean, just seeing like shadow figures, man, it's wild. If if you're into any kind of paranormal stuff, come to Franklin, Kentucky. We'll hook you up. I, I have seen shadow people at the funeral home. Uh, okay. They're the short, you know, two to three foot tall yeah. uh, shadow people. Um, and I usually see them out of the corner of my eyes, uh, mm-hmm. but I don't see them, you know, if I'm looking straight ahead. Uh, but um, another fun fun story for you. Oh yeah. So please. basically, when the phone rings, I go. Yeah. So whether it's a hospital, a nursing home, somebody's home, you know, I, I go. Yeah. Um, so one night, I don't, I don't remember where it was. I went to a, it was either a hospital or a nursing home because I was by myself. Yeah. It's like, it's like between two and four o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Nobody's around. I go in the funeral home with the deceased on our medical cot and I'm pushing them into our, uh, our embalming room and out of the corner of my eye, up the stairs, I see an old woman, like hair freaked out, like puffed out. And I was yeah. like, holy shit, you know, because it's like, you know, there's nobody supposed to be around. I'm like, what is yeah. going on? It's it's my wife's grandmother. Oh, and like, man. <laughs> in the morning, and I, it scared the bejesus out of me. I was so scared because, you know, in, the, in your mind, you're thinking, oh, my God, it's a ghost. And then you look and you're yeah. like. What in you know, you really want to just start yelling and go, What the hell are you doing? You scared the piss out of me. But yeah, I hate uh, that so much. <laughs> when it's like something that's so obvious, but you're not expecting it. Yeah. Oh, which you know, if it had been like, you know, four o'clock in the afternoon, twelve o'clock in the day, you know. Like even just would... the other day, this was ridiculous. Like my mom had to go somewhere early and uh, had just left somewhere and I'm still laying in bed. And then all of a sudden, I just hear this blood-curdling scream. Like, it scared the crap out of me. <laughs> and so I'll get up. Like, I think something's happened to her. Like, she's yeah. falling or something. So I go and look. She's already gone. There's nobody else around. I don't see anybody outside. I just hear this random scream. And then, like, it was on the TV. It was, like, Kelly Ripa or something. Like, she had tripped <laughs> over something and screamed on through her mic. And, <laughs> like, I replayed it. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? <laughs> But hey, I would have been the same way, dude. I'd have been yeah. like, what in the was that? Um, actually, okay. So I know we're kind of going over here tonight. Dude, we could do an entire podcast on this. We stuff. really I could. I would love that. We, we really could. That could uh, be a side off season thing. <laughs> we'll definitely have to do that. Um, so one night or one day, uh, it was a Wednesday. I was here by myself. Yeah. And I went to the bathroom. I was doing some other things. And all of a sudden, I could hear some noises coming. It sounded like they were coming from upstairs. And I was like, what is that? 
And I just sit there and I'd listen. And all of a sudden it sounds like steps, like somebody's walking upstairs. Hmm. And I'm just uh, like in my head, I'm kind of freaked out. I was like, first off, I'm like, nobody should be here. The doors are all locked. There's no reason anybody should be here. It turned out it was like, I think the air had kicked on or something. Oh yeah. And like I think it was the air conditioning or it was one of the ceiling fans or something was popping and it freaked me out. I was like, of course I like come upstairs, you know, looking around, there's nothing anywhere. And but I was, yeah, I'm a scaredy cat. My wife will tell you. Yeah, I, I am too. Yeah. I understand that. Like, <laughs> like haunted houses that are intentionally like jump scares. Those don't mess with me. It's like the stuff that I'm not expecting that's does, that messes with me. Exactly. Yes. Like everyday life is what scares the most. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, that's all we've got. Uh, don't forget to check out women's basketball. Um, let me get my notes back out. Women's basketball on the 6th. They play at 5.30, 6.30 Eastern on ESPN+. And then they play Charlotte at 3 p.m. on the 18th on ESPN+. And then men's basketball has got ODU at 7 p.m. And then they got Charlotte. Of course, that's on the 16th. I'm sorry. And then they've got Charlotte on the 18th. And then on the 22nd next week, they got Marshall. So make sure to uh, check all those sports games out, all that good stuff. Uh, follow the towel rack. Jared's going to have some stuff dropping. Oh, yeah, uh, I think Matt's going to have some pieces coming up. Um, uh, you know, kind of the state of conference USA, et cetera. Uh, so check those out. Um, and as always, guys, go tops. Go tops. Well, have a good one, buddy. This was fun. I think the latter part of this podcast has been my favorite thing that we've done. <laughs> That's all right. That's Dude, all. I, love the, I love the spooky stuff. I love spooky stuff. That's just how I am. Oh, yeah. That's all good. Hey, you take care. I think people will enjoy that, too. That's fine. Hey, yeah, because I'm going to do uh, – but Jared likes to wear a tinfoil hat, so that's fine. Uh, I mean, <laughs> sure, I don't care. Hey, have a good one, buddy. I'll talk all to right. you later. I'll see you.